kind of felt God's word is always enjoyable, and, uh, and God's presence is always powerful, and it's always with us, and, and uh, God will speak to you in, in uh, very unique ways, and, and uh, first service today, God spoke to my heart a lot. First service was a lot like last week for me. It was uh, um, a little bit draining. It was explosive and draining all at the same time for me, so so I was standing down there worshiping a minute ago, getting ready to come to the front, and I felt like God said, pull up your boots, let's go to work. So, so get ready. So, and uh, hang on, I believe this with all my heart, that this is a word in due season for our church, and uh, it's a word in due season for your life, and, uh, and I love you with all of my heart, and I believe that if we would um, heed the word of the Lord and what he's about to speak to us, that we would be a changed people that would have lasting change in our life. And that if we would heed his word on what he's going to speak to you today, that, uh, that you will see a lot of things that you have been praying for, that you've wondered why it's not come to pass. Um, today, it's my prayer that you will see why it's not coming to pass. So grab a hold, and uh, we're going to be, like I said, we're going to be there in 1 Kings 18 in a little bit. They'll have it behind me if uh, you don't have your Bible. And we're going to take a look back into the history today, and we're going to look back in Israel's history kind of going back in time a little bit. I kind of always like, for me, I'm kind of a little bit of a history guy. I like to, if I go somewhere, I want to check out the history and I want to know things about communities and anywhere we visit. And, and if there's a museum or something there, I'm usually going to try to go through it and kind of check out some things. I'm kind of set that way. Same way in the Bible, I kind of want to know the setting and uh, of what we're, what we're reading. Why, why, why would God think this was so important that he would put it in his word to last forever? Uh, his eternal word and so so I kind of want to know what was going on what's going on in the society at that time and what I'm going to preach to you today you're going to see our society mirrored in this society and, and our world mirrored in this the setting for this passage is at a time when the spiritual tide or the spiritual climate in Israel was at a, a low point it was very low the people for the most part had turned their back on God and the reason that they had turned their back on God was, you know, I don't think it was necessarily that they just looked at God and turned around and, and turned their back. The reason their backs were turned to God is because their attention had turned toward, the, they were living in the land of Canaan, and their attention had turned toward a false god, Baal. And they had start worship, started worshiping Baal like the people of that country that they had went into, Baal and some other false gods, and the people of God had started worshiping them. So this is where we have pro our prophet comes into scene, Elijah. And uh, you've probably heard the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and the water and all those things and call them fire down from heaven. Well, that's what we're going to dive into today. When he makes his appearance, when Elijah makes his appearance, he comes with a message from the Lord. And the message that Elijah brings to people is a call for repentance and for a new, fresh loyalty to God. Well, that's the same word that I'm bringing to you today. It's a call of repentance on our, on, in our hearts and, and a fresh new loyalty, a loyalty to God, a new loyalty to the Lord. You know, Elijah was a, was a uh, very unique character in the Bible. He was single-minded. He had a single-minded commitment to, the, to, to God. And uh, that single-minded commitment to God that Elijah had, it shocked people. And uh, it challenged people of that day, and it does us as well. Elijah was sent to confront people, not to comfort them. 
Elijah was sent to confront people in their sin, not comfort them in their sin. And he did a very good job of that. He spoke words. He spoke God's word to the king. And the king at that time didn't like Elijah. So a lot of times he wouldn't receive the word just because Elijah was the one that spoke it. And he didn't like him. Elijah chose to carry out his mission no matter what. Elijah said, I'm going to go in. I'm going to speak God's word no matter what. I'm going to do it for God alone. If nobody else likes it, it doesn't matter. So he paid for that decision. There's lots of times if you look in the life of Elijah that he felt isolated, that he felt alone, that he hid up in caves and all kinds. He went through all kinds of different things. He was alone. There were other people of God at that day that even turned their back on him. Now, as we pick up our story today, it comes at a place we kind of want to set the, there, it, this battle's about to happen, and we're going to set the side. So on this side, we'll just do the left side. On one side, we have, um, we have Ahab, we got Jezebel, we got the prophets and the priests of Baal that were worshiping Baal, and we got an entire nation, so they're on this side. And then on the other side of that, we got the prophet Elijah, and we got God. That's it. That, so this side has all of that, and on this side is Elijah and God. And over here, Elijah is about to figure out some things. The odds look very stacked in the favor uh, of Ahab and Jezebel and the prophets of Baal, but Elijah is about to realize that God plus one is always a majority. When God is with you and God is on your side, you're the majority. And we need to really get that deep in our hearts and deep in our spirit in this world, in the climate of this world that we are living in today. We cannot continue to go the flow of the world. We've got to take our stand because God plus me is the majority on this side. And I'm going to be okay if I stand on God's side in the decisions that I'm making through life. So, so I want to watch that. So we're going to take, and over the next few moments, we're going to learn some things, and we're going to realize some things. that It was a very dark time in the history of Israel, but there were some, some rays of light that shine out through this story that, that, that will grab a hold of us if we will let them, and they will penetrate our life. Some of the things that we see in this is that just like they lived in a time when they needed spiritual um, warriors to step up like Elijah, we live in a time where we need spiritual warriors to take a stand for God. Amen? We need people to take a stand for God. And it's not going to be an easy stand because the majority of people are slipping away from God and going the opposite direction. So we've got to be a people who takes a stand for God. There also comes a time to where all of us, and that's my prayer for you today, there's a time that all of us, that we have to stop and we have to take a look inside and we have to say, which team am I really on? Which side am I really on? Am I really on, am I really on God's side or am I in the world's side or am I kind of doing both we got to figure out which side that we stand on another thing we see that we are to live a separated life from this world that's why a lot of people can't decide what side they are really on is because we're trying to live in both worlds at the same time we're trying to live in in this world and we're trying to be a Christian at the same time we got to be careful in that and the fourth thing that we're going to see is we got to have a willingness to uh to renew our commitment to the Lord. That we got to be willing to renew our commitment to the Lord and place Him above everything else. I've got to place the Lord Jesus above everything, everything else. I can't have any other loyalties in my life. I said this in first service. I've got to love Jesus and place Him higher than my wife. Somebody say amen. Man, if you put your wife above God, then you don't treat your wife the way God wants you to treat her. If you put your husband above God, then you don't treat your husband the way. If you put your kids above God, then you, 
you don't treat your kids the way God intended for you to treat. I tried to make that make sense. And so, so, so God always has to be first. When he's first, then I treat Jamie right. When, when, when Jamie's first and God's second, then, then I don't treat her right. And so, so I want to treat her the way God intends. God knows how to take care uh, of his children. And God knows how to take care of your wife a whole lot better than you do. So, so we got to place those things in the proper, in the proper order, in the proper order. So we're going to check out this uh, showdown today on Mount Carmel. And uh, today I just ask that you pray and allow the Lord to speak to your hearts, reveal things that might be out of place in your life. You know, I'm not trying to be harsh, but, but we all have room for improvement. Man, God was showing me so much in first service on, on areas of my life that he wanted me to line out. So, so we all have areas that, that we have to improve, areas that, that God is looking to improve. And they might be personal things in your life, or it might be just in the life of the church and what's going on here at Ava Assembly, some things that God wants to, to make right or get more in alignment. So, so we want to be, be able to see that. We also want to be very quick to once we see it i think that oftentimes we we see that and god reveals things to us when we're asking him to reveal things you know god what's keeping me from living closer to you and god says well this is and and, and, you know he's very quick to answer that prayer but we're not as quick to follow up on what he tells us to do after he answers that prayer and sometimes you know we forget what he tells us up here by the time we get out there probably a message we're going to preach here in a few weeks that, that 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 we forget it very fast and, and we forget those things very fast. So we want to move forward in that direction. And, and we want to be quick to see that when I do obey him, when he does tell me stuff, it's always for my good. He's not just telling me stuff because he's mean or, or, or whatever. He's always lining stuff out in my life because it's for my good and to draw me closer to him. So when that happens and I single-heartedly go after him, there's a great promise to me. That promise is his presence. That promise is his power. That promise is his provision. That promise is his personal ministry in my life and through my life. So I want to be doing that. So 1 Kings chapter 18, I hope I set the background some says this verse 20 so ahab remember he's on the wrong side or on yeah he's on the wrong side so ahab sent to all the people of israel and he gathered the prophets together at mount carmel and elijah came near to all the people and said how long will you go limping between two different opinions if the lord is god then follow him but if baal then follow him and the people did not answer him a word. So when we look at this and we first start breaking down this text, the very first thing we see is a people, the people of Israel, who are called the children of God, that they were divided in their service and they were divided in their loyalty. What was going on was they enjoyed their name as being God's people. You know, they were God's chosen people. So they enjoyed the name of being God's people on one hand. But on the other hand, they loved the sensual, fleshy appeal of worshiping Baal and some of the other false gods that they were worshiping so they were mixed Elijah told them and when you break that down he said it's pretty much like limping and he said it this way and he said it's like limping along a fence so he told him he said you're like what you're doing the way you're serving it's like limping along a fence they were torn between two different ideas they were torn between two ideas and the result of that was they were accomplishing 
nothing. You know pretty much what they were doing? They were living lives of compromise. And you know what compromise really is? For If you just really break it down, it's compromise is that I made a promise and then I went back on it. That's compromise. Compromise is I made a promise and then I went back on it. And the people were living that life. They kept going back on it. You know, I'm a pretty simple guy. And when I read the word, it comes alive to me in different ways. And when I was reading this story, I kind of seen a vision. And you're going to see a lot of this today in the message. This is how that I pictured that the people were living in that day from Elijah saying, quit limping along. You know, quit limping along, quit limping along. I seen it this way. They were pretty much that they they had went into this new country. We'll break that down. But they were pretty much doing this. They were they were living a life one legged. In other words, they were hopping through life like this. So so they were hopping through life. They're kind of I'm going to serve God on this leg, and then, but I'm going to love the world that I'm in on this leg. So so kind of get that in your mind. That's how I seen this unfold. Now. And what happens when you live that way, there's no balance in your life. And they had no balance. The children of Israel, they had no balance at this time. You know, Baal, this false god, this was the god of the Canaanites. And what had happened was the children of Israel, God had said, go into the land of Canaan and possess it. There were giants there. Remember that story? There's all these things there. He said he gave his people the right to go in. He said, now it's going to be a battle for you. Because God wants us to work alongside him in any and everything. He doesn't just hand everything to us like we want him to. He wants us to get along and work. And so, so he says, go into the land of Canaan and defeat all these things. And, and, and he wants them to go there and worship him. Well, they get there and the people of Canaan, the people in the world that was there at that time, they had these other false gods that they'd worshipped. So over time, God's people started mixing with the world around them because they pretty much wanted to be accepted by the world they were some of their friends and instead of them coming to worship God these people began worshiping their gods and they started getting all mixed up with all of that stuff now now why does that carry so much power in it well it's this Baal along with the other gods that were worshiped in the land of Canaan they did detestable things that that the people of God would never have done but over a course of time it started slipping into their lives and they did things like human sacrifice they did things like uh, all kinds of sexual immorality. They even forced prostitution. They had prostitution, prostitutes that they forced into prostitution at, at the, the gates of the temples and the shrines that they had in those times. And, and when you look at that, Israel had fallen a long way. They had fallen a long way from the people of God that they were called to be over time. They had entered and conquered this land of Canaan, but now they're a very big, they're a political, they're a social, and they're a spiritual mess. Does that sound like anything familiar to the country that we live in? The Bible is very relevant. Even years later, it's relevant. And there are certain areas, you know, for me, there are certain areas that the church and denominations around the world are wrestling with that had not even to be on the radar. There's things that, that, that we're getting mixed up, you know. There's things that, that, that denominations and churches and people are voting on, you know, that when you look at the Bible, there's no vote to it. It's just yes or no. It's right here. But we're changing those things, and, and we're changing it and trying to become and please the world that's around us. We've got to be careful with that. We've got to be careful with that. So, you know, Elijah, he doesn't beat around the bush. He gets right to the point. He's direct, and he says this. He sees the compromise in their life. So he said, if the Lord is God, follow him. And if the, you know, if the Lord is Baal, then follow him. Pretty much in a nutshell. He's seen the compromise, and compromise, the God, it's a stench in the nostrils of God. It's just 
horrible. So Elijah tells the people, you need to decide which side you're going to be on. You cannot have two gods. Well, Jesus said the same thing to us in Matthew in the New Testament, Matthew 25, when he said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. desolation, And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. You can't have two masters. You can't have two gods. You can't serve two things. So, you know, there's a lot of things that have changed. You say, well, preacher, there's a lot that has changed since the day of Elijah and, and, and everything. And since he met those uh, prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, culture, the world that we live in, everything has changed. Nothing is like it was back then. And that's the truth. It's not, man. It's a completely different world. But there's one thing that never changes, and that's God. One thing never changes. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always the same, and he will never change. He will never change. And if a man is going to be right with God, then he's got to take his stand against the world. What is it I'm meaning when I'm saying the world? Well, the world, according to the Bible, whenever you see that word world in the Bible, it means society apart from God. It means the world that we live in that doesn't believe in God and is not doing things God's way. So we've got to take our stand against that. No compromise. We cannot have compromise in this. And this is why a lot of people are not seeing the answer to the prayers is because we get to a place that we're trying to live in two different worlds. If you hold Christian values, if you've got things in your heart, if you have a conviction from God, you must not let up on it to fit in with the world that you live in. You can't change who you are or what God's doing in your life just so that your friends will like you. You can't do it. And you know, I, I told first, I'm that guy that years ago, when you come to this church, I'm the guy that stood up and I would say, everybody smile. And I remember that. You remember those? I would say, everybody smile. Everybody look up here and smile at me. I wanted everybody to like me. I didn't want anybody mad at me. I wanted everybody to get along. And you know, I wanted all this stuff to, to go along the way. You know, about a year ago, God spoke to my heart and he said, as Ava Assembly continues to grow, so will the list of people who don't like you. Oh, come on, don't laugh. Go ahead and laugh. But it hurt me. It hurt me really bad. The more Ava assembly grows, the more people, the longer this list will get of people that don't agree with, don't like you. And I'm like, wait a minute, God. Everybody's going to like me. You know, everybody's going to like me. God, God uh, uh, you, you know, your word says that, that, even, that you will make even our enemies be at peace with you. He said, oh, I'll make them be at peace with you, but they're not going to like you. They're not going to like you. And so I had to work through those things. And over time, and Jamie and I, we talked about it the other day. I said, man, God's true to his word. That list is growing of people that don't. And, and, and I have to work through those things. I have to work through them. I, 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 I can't change who I am and what God's told me to do just so people like me. Just so I fit in. Just so, you know, and, and if God has spoke something to your heart, your heart, and somebody around you, family, friend, whoever it is, they don't agree with that, you can't change it to do what they're doing so that your life will be easier because in the long run it won't be easier. you got to stick true to who you are. Just because others started doing it doesn't make it right. This makes it right between you and God. And I'm talking you and God. I'm talking personal things here. You know what happens is we want to be friends with everybody. This is what the Bible says in James 4 when we get that way. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Friendship with the world, according to James, is compared to adultery. 
as believers, when we give our heart to Jesus, we're married to Christ. In a sense, we're married to Christ. So we ought to be faithful to him. Amen? If Mary, I just did a wedding yesterday, and I told them, you know, I held the rings out. I, I did everything. I said, this ring is made of pure metals. And I said, your marriage needs to be pure. You need to have pure thoughts for each other. You need to keep yourself pure for each other. And then I took it, and I said, it's an unending circle. And that's the way God means for this marriage to be. This side of eternity, it's meant to be unbroken. And I believe that with all of my heart when I marry people. Now, man, I pray conviction on them while I'm marrying them. I'm like, God, touch them and make this real. God put this deep in our heart that you don't just walk away from this stuff. It's a commitment before you and to each other. And so I put that in there. And so, and the believer, we're married to Christ. So by adopting the sinful ways of other nations and by worshiping their gods, the nation of Israel was committing adultery against God. That's the way it was looked at. So we do the same thing today when we allow the world to dictate our lives instead of allowing God to dictate our lives. The world is the enemy of God, and whoever finds himself being more of a friend to the world, then he finds himself not being a friend of God. So we want to make sure. So how did the people respond to this Elijah gives them the word how did they respond Elijah called for a definite decision on the part of the people and how did they respond just like this nothing Bible says that they were speechless that there wasn't a word there there was silence pretty much I think of it this way you know Elijah says hey who are you going to serve if the Lord be God then follow him and if the Lord be Baal then follow him but quick bouncing around back and forth going both ways which one is it going to be and the people are just like don't say anything and maybe he'll leave Shh, everybody be quiet if we don't pay him any attention this will go away and that's what happens when conviction falls in your life. Ooh, that's what's happening right now. And when conviction falls in our life, conviction is never fun. A couple girls got saved last Sunday, and we're going to baptize them next Sunday. You know, when they came up here to the altar, you know, they was crying and, and uh, they, 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 they was kind of shaking. Their voices was quivering a little bit, you know. Uh, and, and I could tell they was kind of, you know, they was kind of in a little bit of pain and everything. And I was enjoying it. <laughs> because conviction doesn't necessarily feel good. It's not comfortable, but it demands that you make a decision about change. That's what conviction is for. That's why it's uncomfortable when God speaks something to your heart. So, sorry, girls, but I did enjoy that. So, next week I'll enjoy baptizing you even more. So, so often what we do is we feel like, you know what, if I just ignore that, it'll go away. If I ignore it, it'll go away. If I don't pay too much attention to it, it'll just go away. This is what happened. Elijah said to the people, he said, I even I only am left a prophet of the Lord. There was actually others, but he was the only one stepping up at that time. But Baal's prophets, he said, are 450 men. He said, let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. So you think of this, and I'm like, wow, man, after all that they have seen, these are the children of God, after all they've seen, they're like, okay, okay, this is okay, let's put, let's put God to the test. And they wanted God to prove 
himself. And maybe we should give them points for going along with what Elijah said, but pretty much to me it looks like they were trying to find a way around God's will for their lives instead of humbling themselves before God. And, and, and you know, we tend to do the same things. And, and they, they were kind of wanting their way instead of God. They were like, now wait a minute, maybe, maybe God answered with a little fire and the gods we've been worshiping answered, the world answered with a little bit of fire, and we could kind of stay here and do both things. I don't know what was going through their minds. So next we see the power of God starts to be displayed. Verse 25 says, Then Elijah said to the prophet of Baal, Choose for yourself one bull and prepare it, for you are many, and call on the name of the Lord your God, but to put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noonday, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, no one answered, and they limped around the altar after they, that they had made. And at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself or he is on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Now when you think of this story I, and you think about how everything happened, Elijah waited this thing. He waited it. He made it. To, he put all the odds in their favor. And, and what he did was he weighted the test in their favor. He said they could build their altar first. He said you could select your sacrifice and you could cut it up and offer it first. And you could take your time and go first and pray to your God. So all day long the prophets of Baal, they were out there and they were crying out to God and nothing was happening. Well, by noon, and this is kind of my interpretation, and by noon Elijah's been watching this. And Elijah starts trash talking a little bit. And you know, he's kind of looking out there at him and he's going, hey, where's that God of yours? And he goes, hey, wait, maybe somebody ought to go wake him up. And you kind of look through there. And then he even says, maybe he's really God. And said, maybe he's lost himself. He's locked himself in the bathroom. That's what he's saying. He's kind of, kind of mocking them a little bit and kind of, kind of saying, hey, where is this God at? Where is this God that you've been given your life? Where is this world that, you are, that is so important to you? Where is this world at when you need a move of God? Where is this world at when you need a miracle? Where is the way of this world at when you need God to do something supernatural in your life? Where is this at? And that's what's going on there. You know what, this sent them into a frenzy. So they started dancing around more and more, cutting themselves at the altar till blood was started gushing out. And they got more and more frantic as the day went along. What happened? Well, the Bible says no voice, no answer, no one paid attention. No voice, no answer, no one paid attention. When the dust settled down, and there was a whole bunch of dust in this area where they were at. When the dust settled down, there stood the prophets of Baal. Baal was still as dead as he had ever been, and they were humiliated and defeated. Nothing had changed on their side. All of these people that were agreeing together, the whole world, the, the, almost the whole world at that time, that was agreeing together. Nothing happened. And you know what? That's the same thing that will happen to every person who attempts to follow the ways of this world. False religions and the ways of this world are dead, and they can do nothing for those who cry out to them. You know, when it comes time for a miracle, when you're looking, like I talked about that peace, and I know there, there's somebody that you walked in here today and you're here because you need peace in your life. You need peace. I felt it so strong. You need peace. You're saying, God, I just need some peace. I need some peace. I need some peace. And when there comes a time when we need a miracle, when we need peace, 
Maybe it might be when your allotted time on this earth is coming to close because the Bible says it's appointed a man wants to die and then the judgment. We're all going to pass this way unless Jesus comes. We're all going to go by way of the grave. And maybe it's that time, but you're going to want to hear from the living God. You're not really going to care what the world has to say. You're not really going to care what's going on in the world. You're not even going to care what, what's going on. on the. You're not going to care about anything but except hearing God's voice in that moment. In that moment. So what happens at this time? Nothing happens. Elijah lets us go on for a while. The Bible says then Elijah steps up and he says to the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord. We're in a series called Altars. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Now Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench about the altar as great as as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the altar. And he said, fill four, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And then he said, do it a third time. Do it again. Do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. So, this is how my mind thinks. I'm, I'm like, well, there's an altar there that was broken down. An altar there that was broken down. Who built that altar? So I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm kind of made that way. I'm kind of looking. And, and, you know, for the best that I can tell, it's probably a member of the believing remnant of Israel that at some time who had privately went out there and built that altar and was worshiping the Lord. But the altar had been destroyed. Now I looked over in, in uh, chapter 19, and it looks like maybe the prophets of Baal had destroyed all altars like that at that time. But, but in my mind, I'm one of those guys that thinks, and I'm like, you know, that altar probably would not have been destroyed if it would have been occupied. What do I mean by that? Well, if, if, if the person who built that altar and the family that was worshipped, if they would have stayed in that altar, the world and the false things wouldn't have broke down that altar. But when they left the altar to go dabble in the world that was around them, it let the altar that they had been in, it let it go away because it went away. Why? Well, it went away and it kind of went away because... because they left it unattended and because it just kind of disintegrated over time too I would imagine because anything that you're not living in and taking care of it's going to go down and so that's some reasons so Elijah he rebuilds it he sanctifies it he uses 12 stones and what do those 12 stones represent well he reaffirmed the spiritual unity because there's 12 tribes of Israel he reaffirmed the spiritual unity of God's people in spite of they were politically separated in every way that they could so he showed them that they were one nation in the eyes of God this still speaks today they were one nation in the eyes of God when God looks down on our nation we're still one nation. When God looks down on the United States, he's not as concerned as which side's going to be in charge as if Jesus is going to be king. Now, I'm kind of concerned. I got concerns. I've got concerns. I got, I got to say, and people ask me about voting. I'll just put it in here. Ask me how I'm going to vote. You take the, the parties, each one of the parties, you take the parties and you hold them up and you look at everything that they stand for. Not the people, you look at the parties. Look at the parties, everything they stand for. And you look at which one of them, in my eyes, you look at which one of them honors God. That's where you go. That's where you go in this thing. You look to which one honors God. We got to take the person out of it and you look at which party, which party honors God. And I think once you look at their platform, it, you see it. 
You see it very easily when you look at their platforms and, and what's going on. So, so make sure and look at that. You know what? Most of the time, we don't take the time to do that. We just look at the face. And this is not in my message, but quit looking at faces and look at the, the platform. The platform is what's going to carry that face and help decide what that face is going to do. So you got to look at what they stand for. We don't take the time to do that. We just see Trump and Hillary, and we're deciding between them two. We need to look a whole lot deeper than that. A whole lot deeper than that. And so then that puts it together inside of us on where we need to go and what we need to do. That's not in here, but that's free today, I guess. Elijah had given the prophets a bail. He gave them all the advantages. Now he gives himself handicaps. He had a trench dug around the altar. He filled it with water. He put the sacrifice on the wood on the altar. Had everything drenched with water three times. He does that so he wanted to remove. There was going to be no doubt when he was done to who was going to get the glory for this. Now we see the prayer that he prayed. It says, and at the time of the offering of oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back to them again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trenches. Elijah plays, prays a simple prayer. I counted the words. There's just right around 60, I think, or 60. 62 words in this prayer he didn't dance around frantically he didn't cut himself he didn't mutilate himself he simply went to God and said that he requested of God that God would be glorified as the one true God and that God would make it known that Elijah was serving him then the fire fell from heaven it consumed every part of the sacrifice the altar the water in the trench even the dust I think that's awesome even the dust that was around it was consumed there was nothing left Nothing left. There was nothing left. Nothing left for somebody to turn into a monument or a shrine. Nothing left. Everything was consumed and taken by God at that time. The altar of Baal, it stood over to the other side. It was a monument to a lost cause. There was nothing to be seen there. The prophets of Baal, they're standing there. They're stunned. They don't know what to do. They're just kind of like, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like, what do we do now? They're just standing there just, in stun, just stunned. Verse 39 says, And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face. Talk about the people of God. When they saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Wow. Elijah, he had faith. Elijah exercised that faith. Elijah understood the importance of the altar. And at the altar is when we encounter God and where God encounters us. And we need some Elijah faith if we're going to stand with the Lord and do what he is leading us to do. We need some Elijah faith as men in this house to lead our families in the way that God's telling us to lead our families in this world that is upside down and trying to tell us how to lead our families. The world's got one idea how to lead our family and God's got the idea on how to lead our family. And so, so we've got we to have some Elijah faith. We've got to have some Elijah courage. We've got to be there. He is leading us all at all times. I believe this, that God is leading every person. It's just that some people choose to follow, but most people don't. Come on. We don't. We don't choose. There's oftentimes that we don't choose to, to, to follow him. We need faith in the God of heaven, not in the ways of this world. You say, well, preacher, if I've seen miracles like that, you know, Elijah's seen all these. There's a list of miracles that he's seen. If I've seen all the miracles that Elijah's seen, then I could have faith if I saw miracles like that. Well, what about the day you cried out to God? 
What about today like these girls when they gave their heart to Jesus last week? I want to tell you, there is no bigger miracle than that in your life or mine. There's no bigger miracle than somebody, that a God that can give me eternal life, that a God that can raise me up and, and I'll be resurrected and I'll live with him forever. There's a God that can do that, man. That is a miracle to me. That is the true miracle. So you see miracles at all times. You see them. That day that you cried out forgiveness, that, and he washed all your sins away, is the biggest day. And you know what? It's one thing for us to see a miracle, but it's another thing for us to be a part of a miracle. And all the time we're wanting to see a miracle, and we're passing miracles every day, because this is it. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, and he came that no man should perish. So every day of our lives, we're passing people and looking into the faces of people that God wants to do a miracle in their life. God wants to bring them out of death and give them life. He wants us so we're, we're, we got opportunity day after day after day after day to see miracles in our life and give our hearts to him or to help others. God allows us to be part of, a part of his miracles. So if we want to see God move, if we want to see lives be changed forever, if we want to see the displays of his miraculous power, then there's some things according to this message and according to the word of God that we need to do. Number one, we need to separate ourselves from the world around us. Oh, this has not been fun all day today. Why is that? Because I want people to like me. And we want to like people to like us that's in this world. But we've got to separate ourselves from the world that we live in. You know what? We can't have the best of both. You know, we cannot carry the name of God without exhibiting the character of God you mean by that well I I can't say that I'm a Christian and not hold to the things that God is calling me to do and the world that we live in right now the world is okay with you calling yourself man not so much a Christian but they're okay with you calling yourself forgiven they're all they're okay with you saying that you go to church or they're over they're, the world is okay with that but the world don't want you live you know when it's that way it's okay also with you living in known rebellion to God it's also okay with you living in sin that you know that you're living in. <laughs> Pretty much what we do is we hop back and forth. That's the whole point of this message today. On Sunday, I'm over here. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm over here. I call myself a Christian but I have the character of this world. And what happens is, is that pretty soon, you know what? I don't know what. that make you tired. He, you know, that's going to wear you out. And spiritually, it does something to you and it pushes you down when you're trying to live in both and trying to participate in both. And I'm not talking about being some kind of... Um, um, fruitcake here I'm not talking about going to an extreme of being a fruitcake and I'm just talking about living in the presence and the peace of God I'm talking about living in the purpose of God living knowing that you're forgiven not having to run to the altar every single week to make sure that I'm still forgiven Come on, he's bigger than that. I don't have to come up every week and ask for forgiveness again because I'm living for him during the week. Sunday is a celebration of the life that we lived all week long. Why do you come to church on Sunday? We come to church on Sunday to celebrate the life that we lived because of the power of him in our life all through the week. That's what God wants to do inside of us today. 
So the next thing that we do, it's time that we exercise our faith in God. How do we do that? Well, we put ourselves out on a limb. So, so we put ourselves out there. When we reach the place individually and we reach the place as a church that we are willing to stand alone at the altar, to stand alone with God, when we exercise our faith in Him alone, when we take our stand for God, then He comes and He stands by us. Well, how do I know that? Well, I look in the Bible when God... when when. Elijah took his stand, then God took a stand beside him. God took a stand behind him. So what happened? Well, the Bible says that the people honored their word. When they saw the move of God miraculously happen, they fell on their face before him. And what that was, they were single-heartedly, they were saying, they were singling him out as the sole object of their worship. And there's nothing more precious to God when we do that, when we say, God, it's all about you. It's all about you, nothing else. Now, I want to draw your attention to one last thing. There's one more verse that goes along with this that I didn't have them put up. It'd be verse 40 if you want to put it up, Josh. But the last sound that happened, the prophets of Baal, the last thing that Elijah does after all this happens, the very last thing that Elijah does is he tells them, he said, now take the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Baal, and lead them off and kill them. And that's harsh. It's, it's harsh. But there's a whole lot of meaning and a whole lot of things. He's talking about destroying the ways of the world at that time, destroying worlds in our life. But when you look at that, when I was thinking about it, the very last thing, the last sound that the Baal prophets heard as they were being led away to their deaths was the sound of the people of God shouting praises to God. Now you need to listen to this for a minute this morning. This is for somebody. The very last thing, they're being led away, and the very last thing they hear is the people of God shouting the praises of God. Man, that does something to me when I see that. What a sound that must have been. And I'm not trying, today, I, 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 this has been probably one of the, the hardest messages God has given me in a while. A, a very direct word. But I'm here to tell you that that sound, that sound, you know what that sound was? The prophets of Baal, the last sound they heard was people worshiping God. The last sound they heard was people saying, yes, God, you are the one true God and you are the way. The prophets of Baal represent the world and the way the world says to do things. And there's coming a day that the Bible says that all of us will stand before God. And there's coming a day that we will have to choose if we're going to serve God or we're going to serve the world. And there's one day that we're going to have to confess our sins. And yes, the Bible says that every man is appointed to die and then the judgment. And you know what happens when the judgment is there? We either go to heaven or we go to hell. We either go there or we go there. And when that day happens, there's one thing that I believe in. A man told me this this morning when we were talking. There's one thing that happens. The last thing, and probably the eternal thing, that people are going to be able to hear from hell is people worshiping the Lord in heaven. Stay with me today. The last thing. People are going to hear in hell and probably going to stay with them for all of eternity. Is people are worshiping heaven. Why is that? Because we've been given chance and opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to receive his grace into our life. And we have said no to it. And one day our decision, our decision is final. And we place ourselves in that place that, 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 that there is eternal destruction and torment for all the days of our life. And I think the, the thing that's going to kill people the most is you're going to be able to look up and say, Oh, I was given the chance over and over. 
I didn't like the way he preached. I didn't like the way he talked. I didn't like the word they brought me. I didn't like him talking about heaven and hell. But that's what you're going to remember. It's what you're going to remember. In the last few weeks in this church, while I'm preaching, I see so much stuff going on over everybody's head out here. It's driving me crazy. Because we're battling this world, and you're hopping on one leg and the other, and we're not serving God with all of our hearts. You're playing. There's some people in here, you're playing. Most of you're playing around with God. And you're playing around with eternity. And I sit up here and I see it going on. And it's driving me nuts because it's making me crazy up here. Because of God showing it to me, there's something that I'm supposed to do about it. But I don't know what. We got visitors here with us today, and they're thinking, good grief, who is this guy? It's not like this every week, I promise. But man, I got to give an account to God for what I say from up here. And the weight and the serious in that has hit me in a whole new, a, a whole new level. I feel so unworthy to be up. I feel unworthy to speak his word. I feel unworthy to open his I feel unworthy to do any of that right now because of the things he Because he shows me things about my own life. And man, I'm here to tell you today for somebody in this service, man. And I told a young boy last week, and I called him up, brought him to the platform because I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I want to tell you today, in this service today, this is your opportunity. Today is the day for you to get right with God. It, it, it's your opportunity. It's the, it, it, it's the place to save your life and the lives of those you love. Corey, you guys can come up and shut me down here. So here's the question that I put on the end of this. and Pretty much when I put it on the end of my notes, I said, well, God, that assures, that's kind of the death penalty on this altar call because nobody's coming. But are there areas in your life that if you were honest, you would say are more, world, more worldly than godly? Are there areas in your life that if you were honest are more worldly than godly? Have you been hopping on one leg too long? Are you wanting God? You want God to fix some things in your life, but then you hop over and you attempt to fix it yourself. That's me. I seen myself first service. Matter of fact, I even did a hop all the way across here. I'm too tired to do that now. But but we say, God, you gotta you gotta fix this thing, God. You got you gotta fix this, God. I trust you. I give this. I give my what? It, maybe it's your family, God. I give my family completely to you. I give my marriage whatever. I give my marriage completely to you, God. There it is, God. You got it, God. You do what you want, God. You do what you want, God. And then we go. God, you're taking too long. 
and, and we try to fix it ourselves. Or, and, and I see this in young women all the time and, and, and young guys too, but I see it in young women that, that, that you go, okay, God, I'm waiting. I'm not settling. I'm Mr. Right. Lord, I want Mr. Right in my life. I'm not settling for anything else less than Mr. Right in my life. And then you know what? A little time goes by. Instead of getting Mr. Right, you settle for Mr. Right now. You know, I, I'm tired of waiting for Mr. Right. I'm just going to take Mr. Right now because it's right here in front of me. It's not as good as Mr. Right, but it's right now. And that's what we do with God. You girls, you settle for Mr. Right only. Amen, Sal. You say it, Dad. We get caught up in this moment. Maybe it's other areas of your life. Finances, job, health. Maybe it's just the fact that you live out of balance, unstable. Go from all faith to no faith. Wobble back and forth from trusting God to not, not trusting him at all. Happy one minute, sad the next. I don't know who I'm talking to today. But you're happy one minute, sad the next. You live on an emotional roller coaster. And the whole, whole thing is it's because you're living a one-legged life with God. Spirit, I know I think different, but spiritually you're living one-legged. I'm done. If you bow your heads with me this morning for just a minute, let's not have any music for a minute. Bow your heads for just a moment, close your eyes, nothing else going on for this second. I don't feel a little different today. If you're here today and you say, hey, preacher, just between you and me, I've been bouncing on one leg and then the other. I kind of do things for God and then I do things in the world. I do things for God and I do things in my own way. I live part of the time in God and part of the time I live in myself. And if that's you and you'd be honest before God today and say that's me, would you raise your hand and put it back, just put it back down. I'm not going to, okay, see them hands start to shoot up everywhere. Anybody, put them up and down, that's good. I see those hands. Any more? I see those hands anymore. Amen. All right. One more thing. And now you could all look this way if you would. Thanks for honoring that. If you're here today and you say, hey, preacher, I'd like to just give my life to him. Don't even understand everything today. Not even sure about everything you just said, but I do know that there's something missing in my life and I'm out of balance. And I need to get right with Jesus. If that's you, would you wave, raise your hand at me so I can see it? I see that hand, sister. Anybody else? Let me step over here. I see a hand back there in the back. Raise that hand again and wave it at me. That a boy. That a boy. Anybody else? <sighs> All right. Father, I love you. And I thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you, God, that you make it so that we could walk steadfast in you. God, that we could live a life that's pleasing to you. And God, we could live in your joy and your presence every day of our life. Lord, I thank you for the courage of those that have raised their hand in this place. God, they just want more balance in their life. 
And God, also, I thank you, God, for those that have raised their hand and said it's time to make a commitment unto you. So, Lord, right now, I pray that you would speak into them in a special way. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen.